integrated advising is meant to help students create a good foundation for themselves for their journey here at Centenary and it is located in the lower level of Rotary at the Student Support Center. So you might be wondering why we're doing the Integrated Advising Podcast, and well, that's for a few reasons. One is we want to be able to keep people updated on what's happening, both in Integrated Advising and just on campus, and we want to give out student support tips, and we also want to engage and interact with students, because if we don't interact with students, it's hard to know how to support them. One thing I will say is be sure to follow us on our Instagram page, Centenary Integrated Advising. And on our Twitter, Centenary IA. Now, for today's episode, we want to talk about what incoming freshmen will want to know. I'm sure everyone remembers their first few weeks at Centenary, especially at orientation, when no one knew what they were doing or where things like Jackson or the Smith Building are. And we just want to be able to cover some of that stuff and tell you more about being involved in dorm life and just what to expect when you come to college and be prepared for the level of expectations that will be expected of you. So the first one is get a planner. Keep a schedule, write it down, write when your classes are, when you plan to study, when you plan to eat, shower, do laundry. Sometimes weeks get busy and you need to write things down and schedule time so that way you can plan your free time around those things. And I know a planner can be hard to keep up with, so you don't necessarily have to keep a planner, but a to-do list and when you when your certain assignments are due so you can keep on top of it. Because in college, your schedule is going to be a lot different than it was in high school, so you have to keep on top of it so you can remember when things are due. <laughs> and planners, I know that they can get expensive, but there are a lot of cost-effective options. For example, every student at Centenary has an Outlook account, and you can just input your schedule into an Outlook calendar, and every time you open up your email, your next assignment or whatever it is that you have loaded will pop up. Uh, You could also just write it down on a piece of paper, and something that I found really helpful is taking a picture of it and then making it my screensaver for the first few weeks, because we look at our phones all the time, every single day, multiple times a day, and seeing that schedule will really help you memorize it and get it down. And so the next thing we're going to talk about is protecting your time. Free time can be far and few between in college because it feels like you're just being overburdened with assignments and extracurriculars and hanging out with your friends and being able to sleep. So you only have so many hours in a day to get everything done, so you have to protect that time. And don't give all of your time to every person who asks for it. Learn how to say, no, I need to take care of myself, I need to reset, I need to study for this exam. And a lot of that is easier said than done. You'll have friends who will be like, I want to go hang out and do this, and you'll want to say yes. And it's not bad to go and do those things, as long as you're properly scheduling your time to also be able to study, shower, do your laundry, eat. Yeah, and if your friend goes, hey, do you want to study together? And you want to say yes because you want to hang out with your friend, Just know that, are you actually going to study with your friend or are you guys just going to be talking about that cute boy in the class the whole time? Because just because you said that this is study time doesn't mean it's actual study time. It needs to be productive. The next thing we want to discuss are some of the important differences between high school and college. The first one being, you're going to have a whole lot more freedom. 
your parents aren't going to tell you when to be home or when to do your homework or make sure you're doing what you're supposed to. All of that's on you. You, you get to decide when you do this and when you get to do that. And along with that, no one is going to force you to do anything. Your professors can't make you do it. Your advisor, your RA, you're going to have to take that responsibility on for yourself. Even if that means going, okay, here's a list of my responsibilities. Here's what I need to make sure I get done. And then also giving yourself enough time to get it done. Yeah, you are completely responsible for yourself. You're probably used to, like, your parents cooking for you or at least making sure you've eaten um, or telling you to do your homework, but not here. You have to make sure you have the food or that you go to the calf when it's open. You have to make sure you do your homework because your, your teacher's not going to stay on top of you about it. They're going to give you the due date, and they're going to go, okay, turn it in by this time. They're not going to constantly remind you every day in class. You'll have occasionally nice professors who will remind you, but you can't guarantee that. So you have to stay on top of your syllabus to make sure you turn in your assignment when it's due. And that's something important that I like the planners for that I mentioned earlier, is writing down when that homework assignment is due so you can be constantly reminded of that. And this doesn't mean that you're completely alone in college because that's not what I want you guys to get from this at all. If you feel like you're struggling in an area, say you're having problems getting your homework assignments done on time, maybe go talk to that professor, see if you can work something out. Or go talk to someone in IA, for example, and see if you can create a study plan that will help you get that homework done. Or even create a study group with friends in your class. You don't have to do it all alone, you just have to know when you need to ask for help. Speaking of doing things on your own, um, you shouldn't just skip class. You can, but you're throwing away money. Like, you pay to go to school here. Don't throw away your education unless you are sick or you just, like, really need a mental health day. Then I would really recommend going to class to get everything you can, especially in things like the arts and the social sciences where there might be a lot more discussion or in-class activities you're not going to be able to make that up like you would in, say, a math class. You can just do the problems for that day. So you should really go to class. And your professors will be understanding if you do need that mental health day or you're sick. So that's not to say don't ever skip class. It's just also remember you are throwing away money. You do pay to be here. Something that I've noticed is it helps to get in contact with your professors before you miss that class. So once you go, I think I'm going to skip class today. Email them and go, hey, I'm really sorry I'm not in class today. Here's my reason. Is there anything I can do to make up whatever it is in class? Or I, I turned in my assignment on campus. And I've found that teachers are a lot more understanding that way versus you just blowing off the class. The next thing we want to talk about is the fact that you're going to actually have to study and do your homework. And I'm sure you heard this a thousand times in high school that college is going to be harder and you're going to actually have to put in work and you don't believe it. And that's fair. But I promise you, you need to believe it. I was the person who always made A's in high school who never had to study, but your professors are going to expect a higher level of understanding from you rather than just memorizing the material. You're, there's a lot more expected of you in your understanding and level comprehension of the material. 
so you will actually have to study and put in that time outside of class. And so, speaking on that, on the next episode of our podcast, I'm going to discuss some awesome study tips and habits that might be helpful to you. So be sure to tune in for our next episode for that. Yeah, studying is really important, and I know it can be hard, especially because at this point, you've been going to school for, like, upwards of 10 years, um, and the burnout is real, especially for those who were labeled gifted kids, because you're used to being told, oh, you're really smart, uh, you don't have to put any work in, because those A's come naturally to you, and maybe that can get you by in college, but it probably won't get you by as well as what it did in high school, and that takes a lot of toll on your mental health. So you're actually going to have to do your work, and you have to know that just because you make a lower grade on the first or second or even third assignment doesn't mean that you aren't smart, and it doesn't mean that you aren't capable. It's just things are different in college. You have to put in more work. You Like Natalie said, you have to have a higher level of understanding. And... One important thing to touch on on that is a lot of people come in and go, I'm not automatically good at it, or I actually have to work for it, and it doesn't mean you aren't smart. My freshman year, I was a psychology major coming in, and I've always naturally been good at stuff. So when I wasn't automatically good at it, I dropped my major. I switched my major. After a couple years here, I'm starting to realize that it wasn't that I wasn't good at it. It's just that I wasn't automatically good at it. I actually had to do the work. And so I'm going back to psychology now. And while it is okay to switch your major, that's not, you know, you might find you're not in love with it. It is important to remember that in in college, you are expected higher levels of understanding for the material. And so you're going to actually have to do those readings, do the assignments, understand it, and put in the work for it. Yeah. And the other side of that is Maybe you believe that you're not good at something. Like, you've always believed, I'm not good at math. That is just something that I'm naturally not good at. And if you keep telling yourself that, then of course you're not going to be good at math because you're not going to put in the work to improve your skills in it, to improve your understanding. So how you talk to yourself is super, super important. And I know that it can be so hard to talk positively to yourself sometimes, especially when it's like the middle of midterms and you're super stressed. But it truly is really important. And so if I sit there and I go, if I make a mistake on a test, I go, okay, what happened? What can I do to improve this? I know that this grade is not a reflection of who I am. What can I do to get better? And maybe I go look at the corrections the professor gave me, or maybe I go talk to the professor and just go over the material again before the next test. And all of this plays into something that Carol Dweck calls fixed and growth mindset. And what that means is a fixed mindset is where you go, I'm not good at math. And that's it. You don't grow beyond that. A growth mindset is going, I can improve my abilities in math by working hard and doing the work and I can get better. It's talking positively to yourself. It's not believing that just because you're not good at something, you're just not good at it. It's knowing that your brain can grow and it's not just stuck. Another important thing that that will help you with your growth mindset 
your growth mindset and your positive self-talk is motivation. Those are motivation is a very key importance in college. It can be really hard to have to feel motivated, especially if you sign up for 8 a.m. classes or six classes one semester. You will get overwhelmed throughout the semester, and that's not to discourage you. I'm just saying it. It, it's going to happen. At some points, you will feel overwhelmed. But you have to remind yourself why you're here, why it's worth it, what the end goal is. And you have to push yourself and keep rewarding, keep working by rewarding yourself when you've done a good job. Like maybe you go get Randall's after you finish that assignment or when you made an A on an exam. Or you take breaks from your studying by playing a video game, you know. Get motivating yourself to push through to reach that goal whether it's positively talking yourself through your assignments or setting up a reward by the time you've finished for it, you know, it motivating yourself is is really hard sometimes because mental health can suck and defeat you, but pushing through that and motivating yourself and surrounding yourself with people who help motivate you as well. Yeah, you definitely need a very supportive learning environment and a group of people who know that you can do it and that will help you achieve your goals and help make sure that you're okay and that this group needs to be someone that you can go hey I'm really struggling right now can you please help me and one thing that can help with that is having an integrated advising support team so what that is is you set up a team and it can be like say you want your advisor on it and you have a professor that you really connected with so they're on your team and you've been to counseling and you've seen Miss Tina a few times and so you have her on your team and then you're RA and that is a group of people who you know that you can reach out to and they know to check out to check in on you every once in a while and it can be super super helpful I have my own team and I talk to pretty much everyone on that team fairly often. Integrated advising is a good way to build that team. It's one of the first things you do when you go in is you build that team and you work with them so you know how to reach out to that team when you need help. But also integrated advising is on your team so they can help you learn how to do these things. And at any point in the semester, if you're struggling with any of these things, you can go to your team or integrated advising and they can help you and help you help yourself to get through these things. There are also, and they're a part of integrated advising, but I didn't even know we had them until a few months ago. Uh, they're a team of peer mentors, and we'll get more into that in a later episode, but they can also be a really good tool and resource. It's really hard to help yourself when you don't know what resources are out there, and that's one reason why we wanted to have this podcast, so we can give you guys the resources that you need to be successful. So for the second half of this episode, we want to discuss some more scenario-specific things that we think should be discussed uh, as well. Firstly, some random things that need to be explained that get overlooked constantly. Work-study. So not everyone is eligible for work-study, but to those who are, you're going to get an engage form and you'll fill out your top picks and you'll get placed somewhere. It is like a real job. You are expected to go in, you work your hours, and whether it goes towards you or your tuition is up to you and fill that out when you're filling out all your financial aid stuff. But it is a real job. You're expected to go in, 
do your work. And a lot of your work study supervisors will be really nice and let you do homework on the job. But it is like a real job and you'll be expected to do things. One important thing that a lot of work-study supervisors overlook is that school does come before work-study. So if you do have something that like you have to do for an assignment or uh, an extracurricular, you typically can get excused from work-study, but you need to let them know. Because like I said, it is a real job and you have to be like, hey, I can't come in to make my shift. That is something that you and your work-study need to talk about and not all work-study supervisors can understand that. But good ones will understand that, yeah, like let's say you're a theater major and you have to go to tech rehearsal, you're, you're excused because it's for your major. You have to go do that. That doesn't mean that you get paid for that hour you missed, though. You will have to make up that hour if you choose to do so. You can also, it doesn't happen a lot because most people are pretty good about realizing that it's an actual job, but you can get fired from your work-study job. So be on time, do your work, just do it. Also, a lot of people think that, like, they're not really sure how to get work study, and that's a thing on the FAFSA. There's a little box, and you check it, and you say, I want to work for work study. This doesn't necessarily mean you get it, but it means that they know that you are looking at possibly doing it, and so then they'll take your financials into consideration. Um, also, this happened to me my first year I did not work all the hours I was eligible to work for reasons I'm not going to get into. And the amount of money that I was able to earn for the next year dropped. And I'm not saying that that's 100% on the hours that I didn't work, but it is a possibility. So don't just work 10 hours when you could work, I don't know, 50. Another thing is, is if you are eligible for work study one year and you don't do it, they're more than likely to take it away from you, and they most likely will. It's happened to plenty of students, and they don't know that, that that's gonna, what's going to happen. But if you're eligible for work-study and you don't use it, they'll take it away and give it to someone who is going to. So if you want to do work-study, do it. And I understand that some people are like, well, you know, it's my first year of college. Maybe I'll take it easy. And, and that's a fair thing, but they're likely to take work-study away from you, so you need to take that into consideration as well. Another thing we want to discuss, professional emails. While a lot of um, professors will email you back going, yeah, sure, whatever, you are expected to email them with professional, like, words. Uh, You have to, good morning, comma, blah, 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 whatever you need to say. Talk really professional, all that, because that's what's expected of you anytime you email anyone. And if you get a more chill professor that starts emailing you back and is emailing you less professionally, you can respond less professionally, but still keeping into account who you're emailing is above you and be responsible with what you're saying. Also consider the time that you email your professor. Some professors are okay with you emailing them that question about the paper at two in the morning. Others are not. And also understand that just because you're up at Two in the morning doesn't mean your professor is, so give them time to email you back. They get emails every single day from people other than just students. So give them time to see that email, and if it's if you're starting to get really concerned about it, then go to their office hours and talk to them about it. Yeah. The next thing we want to discuss is your syllabus. Students get syllabuses on their first day of class. Some people, will, Some of the teachers will put it on Canvas so you can look at it before class. You most of the time will get a schedule. 
on your syllabus of what's gonna when your exams are gonna happen when you'll be going over what chapter it'll tell you what textbooks you need and it just looks really overwhelming and then most students throw it away and never look at it again do not do that you need to use utilize your syllabus so much put it in the front of your binder or notebook or whatever you're using for that class put down your schedule into your planner or your to-do list that you've created for yourself go get your textbooks which hopefully you've already had them ordered before the first day of class because you'll get constant emails reminders about it but if you haven't go get your textbooks even if it says they're optional get them anyways so another thing that we're going to talk about later in the episode is expectations from professors and nine times out of ten some of those expectations are at the beginning of a syllabus read them read the course expectations read just read your entire syllabus your syllabus is quite literally a contract you are saying I'm okay with what is happening in this course I am going to continue taking this course and you are bound to this syllabus and I can't tell you how many times you'll ask a professor a question and they'll go it was on the syllabus or you'll be like I didn't know this was due it was on the syllabus they expect you to know the syllabus front backwards left right upside down diagonal they expect you to know it and so having it written down like in your planner mem or not memorizing but like looking over it every day and just remembering it when you go into class and stuff is, is important usually the first day of classes will be going over your syllabus but not all professors do that a lot will and they'll go over those expectations that are required of you but it's also important for you to know them as well rather than just being told once and then forgetting about it and I know some professors yeah, they go over the syllabus, but they don't go over the whole thing. They just hit the highlights. Another thing that's on the syllabus is how to get in contact with your professor. And if your class has a teacher's assistant or a TA, that tends to be on there as well. It also has where your professor's office hours are and when they are. Take note of those office hours. You should definitely go to them. It also has your grade breakdown, so what percentage of your grade is homework, what's test, what's quizzes, what's that paper, and it'll break that all down for you. And if you have any questions about that, I highly recommend you go talk to your professor about it, uh, especially if you don't really know like how the percentages works, or maybe your teacher's using a point system. That can be confusing, so it's really important to like know how your grade is being determined. So something else that gets overlooked a lot is when to go to the business office versus when to go to financial aid. I can't tell you the amount of times I would go to financial aid and they would tell me to go to the business office or vice versa. And how it was explained to me was that the business office wants to take your money and the financial aid gives you money. And that's a pretty like standard thing to go by. So if you have any questions about your payment plan or your bill, or how much is Centenary going to cost me next semester? Go talk to the business office. If you're wondering how am I going to pay for next semester, go to the financial aid office. Or if you have any questions about your work-study payments or how to fill out your FAFSA or anything like that, go to the financial aid office. And those are in Hamilton Hall. And something else that's in Hamilton Hall is the registrar's office. And the registrar's office helps you with basically your classes and your degree plan, essentially. They keep all the records of all the classes you've taken and 
like your transcripts and stuff like that. And so that's where you'll go if you want to add a class or drop a class. Or Centenary has students fill out a degree plan at the end of their second semester, their sophomore year. And basically your degree plan just says, these are the classes I've taken, this is when I've taken them, these are the courses I'm going to take and when I'm going to take them, so that you can make sure that you are going to graduate on time. And they're very helpful in going, yeah, you need these, you still need two social science credits, or you still need to get your, your symbolic reasoning, which is basically just your math credit. So they can be very, very helpful. Something else that can be really helpful is your advisor. Every student gets a first-year advisor. If you and your advisor do not get along or you just don't click or it's just not working out, you can change your advisor. And I highly recommend if you find yourself in that situation that you do because your advisor can really help you during your college experience. So advisors help you during the times where you advise for classes. So that tends to be in October and March. And so what I do and what uh, most students do is before I go to my advisor, I go to the class schedule and banner web and I make my class schedule myself. I put it in Google Sheets and I make sure that all the times fit together and I make sure that nothing overlaps. And if I go, I think this is going to be a kind of popular class. I'll find a backup class. That way I'm prepared for it. And then I write down what the class is, the professor, how many credits it is, and the CRN number, which is just a little number that your advisor needs to input it in the system. And that is the sheet that I take to my advisor. And I will go to him and we just talk about my classes and why I made the decisions I made. And if I go... I'm not really sure what to do. I don't know what class I should take. I'll talk to him about it. Um, I've also dropped quite a few classes at Centenary, more than my fair share. And before I drop any class, though, I will go talk to him. I'm like, hey, should I drop this class? Here's what I have going on, and we'll talk through it. But your advisor is there for more than just advising for your classes. They're also really good for just advising for things in general. Like, your advisors are nine times out of ten very well connected on campus and they can help you figure out where you need to go if you need to go to say uh, the counselors or to the registrars or to IA they can help you do that yeah a lot of people don't utilize their advisor as they should but they're a vital resource for you to reach out to they are there to help you especially as a freshman to tell you hey you're not reaching expectations and they're there to look out for you they can see all your grades and stuff, and if you're failing a class, more than likely they're going to go, hey, why are you failing? Is, there, is everything okay? Is there something we can do to help? And if they don't reach out to you, you can reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm failing. Is there something I can do to get some help here? And they're a good source to help you get, get through centenary. Uh, another thing is your professors. They're, they're there to help you. They're there for you to learn. They have expectations for you, though. They expect you to show up on time for class. They expect you to do your homework and all of it and complete all of it. Bring your materials to class, which means your textbook. Bring a pencil. Bring some paper. Bring your laptop if you take notes on your laptop and if they allow it. Go to their office hours. They don't necessarily expect you to go, but that is time that they provide, that they block out in their schedule to help you. 
It is there built in to help you with the material when you are struggling. And that's something most students don't utilize. They just don't go. You have a question on, on the homework, go see them in their office hours. So like, like we said earlier, it's on the syllabus where they're at and when they are. If you're struggling in the class, go talk to them, see what you can do. You know, they're, they're there for you during those times. And if you have questions about their expectations, and if you're not meeting their expectations, go to those office hours, talk to them about it. But also make sure when you go to their office hours that you have specific questions for them. Don't just go and think, oh, I'm just going to make small talk with my professor so I can take off a box saying that I went to their office hours. Something that could be really good is turning your homework early. That way, if you run into any problems with it, you can go to their office hours and you can get help on it. So just really utilize that. Another important thing is buy your textbooks. Buy them. Whether that's rent them, maybe find a free version online, or find a cheaper version online. Yeah, we have the bookstore that's online that Centenary connects people with. But Amazon is your friend. Renting textbooks is your friend. Finding your friends that uh, <laughs> have textbooks that have already taken that class like is all beneficial. But you need your textbooks. There will be plenty of readings that you are required to do that many students go, no, that's not important because maybe it's not something that they have a quiz on every day, but it'll be on that test. That diagram, you will see it again in class. Like that information is important information and it can help you with the homework and will help you with your homework because it, it's material that either will be discussed in class so you can get a head start on or that will not be taught in class, but you're expected to know anyways. And I know that textbooks can get really expensive. I know I've struggled to buy textbooks before in the past. So reach out to your professor. See if there's anything you can do. See if you can use an earlier edition. Because most of the time, early editions have the same amount of material. Or the same material. The page numbers are just different. Or see, go to your library. Go to the uh, McGill Library and see if there's a copy of it there. So the next thing we want to talk about is the importance of orientation. Definitely, I, I think we're all, you're all required to go to orientation anyway, but there are different sessions that you can go to, and you should definitely go to all of them. They're very helpful, they're very informational, but also it gives you a chance to meet members of your class and connect with them and find those potential friend groups. And also connect with your orientation mentors because they're there to do just that. They're there to mentor you, not just during orientation. Mentors are mentors for the rest of their time there. You don't ever stop being a mentor. The next thing, and this is a big shift of topic, but your roommate. When you come to Centenary, unless you have a single, you will have a roommate. You'll have sweet mates, all that. You need to be honest and open with your roommate when you're setting up a roommate agreement. And no matter what, I don't care if it's your best friend, set up a roommate agreement because you need to have, be comfortable and happy in your own space. Most people think of their bedroom as their safe space, but if you're not happy and comfortable in your own bedroom because you're not comfortable and happy with your roommate, it's a problem. And it's okay to not be roommates with your best friend. And that's one of the most cliche things you'll hear and you're tired of hearing it, but I know so many friends that are best friends that go to be roommates and then their friendship is ruined because they have lived different lifestyles. You cannot be good roommates with somebody and be good friends with them. My first year, my freshman year, my first semester, I was um, 
roommates with this girl and she's so sweet me and her friends now but we just lived so different lifestyles that we were having tension and we were getting really upset with each other because we did not make good roommates but once I moved out from being roommates with her me and her were able to be friends and like reconnect with our friendship because we just we just weren't meant to be roommates you can live different lifestyles with somebody maybe one person's more messy maybe one person stays up later you know and so having a roommate agreement can help you set up those boundaries with your roommate so you can feel comfortable in your own space and know what your expectations of being a roommate is. Yeah, and definitely talk to your RA when it comes to your roommate agreement because there are some things that you would never think to put in a roommate agreement that can be very important, such as how are we going to arrange the room? Maybe one person is like, no, I don't want the beds in this certain position. It causes me a lot of anxiety. It makes me feel claustrophobic. That can go in the roommate agreement. And the roommate agreement is a contract, so if you guys are having problems about something, the RA can and will get involved about it. And a lot of people vilify RAs because they are rule enforcers, but your RA is there for you. They're there to help you both academically and socially in the dorms. And they can really be a good resource and a good friend for you. If you're struggling with anything, you can go talk to any of the RAs, not just the RA on your hall. And they can really help with things like homesickness because it can get be really hard to get used to living away from uh, not only your parents, but like all of your friends, especially if you're coming in from out of state. It can be really hard spending the first couple of weeks at school by yourself, especially if you don't have that many friends yet. But your RA can be really good for helping you get that friend. Our, a lot of RAs have programs in the dorms. Go to them. They have so many different kinds of programs. Sometimes it's trivia nights. Sometimes it's painting mugs. Other times it's, I think we went to like a, a just dance party or something like that as a program once. So just get involved in those programs. One thing that's highly suggested is not going home your first couple of weeks on campus. So that way you can adjust um, and get used to your time. And um, I know it like creates a lot of homesickness for people. And it's hard for people who've never had to have a roommate before, like maybe not shared a room with their sibling or something. Um, and so that's fair and it gets hard, but it's a good way to adjust and start getting comfortable with that college life. And so during those first couple weeks, your one of your first tasks when coming to college is to make friends. And it it doesn't sound like it's a priority, but it, it's something that you need to do because you're going to be out of your comfort zone. You are in this new environment that you've never been in before with much higher expectations. And you're gonna you're gonna want someone there by your side to help you feel comfortable. And you're gonna have to push yourself to keep trying to be out of your comfort zone and doing what you want. So join those clubs, join those organizations that you're interested in because then you'll find people with similar interests as you. Go do those things that you wouldn't usually push yourself to do. Go to those campus events, especially ones that you are interested in because like I said, friends with similar interests. And and make those friends and reach out and, and spend time with people. And of course, all within, you know, don't, don't overexert yourself, you know, set up boundaries and stuff and get rest when you need it and focus on your schoolwork as well. But like 
talk to that person in that class because you know when you if you do miss a class for whatever reason you can ask that person hey what did I miss like or I didn't understand what we were talking about or can you help me on this assignment you know friends even if you're not wanting a lot of friends they can also be beneficial to you in your high school or not high school in your college career and you know how we were talking about textbooks earlier textbooks get a lot cheaper when you half them with a person Although, I would be careful about that because uh, then you don't get the textbook all of the time. But if it's a class where maybe you just have a couple of readings throughout the semester, it can be really useful. Yeah. One other weird and very random tip, if you can afford it, because not everyone can, um, but if you can, bring some snacks or buy snacks and groceries because you will get tired of eating cat food. I promise. I promise you, you will. And we have Randall's. Um, which comes with your meal plan. You only get so much Randall's Bucks, though. But if you have the money for it and you can afford it, bring some snacks, like, just to snack on, because there's only so many hours that the cafe is open. It's not open full-time, and Randall's closes at a certain point, too. And they're not open on the weekends. Yeah, and so you will want those snacks because you'll get tired of that food, and you'll get hungry when other places aren't open. And yeah, some of you might drive so you can go get that McDonald's that you want, but not everyone drives and you won't always want to drive and, you know, bring those snacks because you'll, you'll get hungry and want food, I promise. <laughs> Especially if you have the day full of classes and you have like, you don't have just enough time to go back to your dorm to grab something, get snacks that you can carry with you, get like breakfast bars or like crackers or something that you can just eat on the go. Yeah. Yeah, so with all of that being said, be sure to follow us on our Instagram page, Centenary Integrated Advising, and our Twitter at Centenary IA, because we will be posting stories and posts about other beneficial tips and when our next podcast will be coming out, but also so you guys can message us, so that way you tell us what you want to know about, because... We're not incoming freshmen anymore. There might be stuff we're overlooking that you guys are interested in and want to know about. Also, if you have any questions, feel free to ask us. If we don't know the answer, I can all but guarantee that we know someone who does. So don't be afraid to reach out. It's a lot coming to college and it can be very overwhelming, especially if no one in your family has gone to college before. There are a lot of stuff that, like, you would think to learn or to know about until you have to. So don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. Follow us. We'll be posting about when our next episode's coming out. And we thank you so much for um, coming in and listening to our first episode of the Centenary Integrated Advising Podcast.